take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to John chapter 14, uh, verse 13 is where we'll begin in just a moment. You can use your Bibles or your mobile devices. Also, while you're doing that, I want to ask you guys, if you have a cell phone here, take it out right now. Okay, take out your cell phones. How many of you guys are on Facebook? Anybody on Facebook? That should be most everybody. We want to encourage you guys to get in the habit of checking in on Facebook here at Orchard Church. Believe it or not, we've had a lot of people that have come to Orchard Church in our community because somebody checked in and they saw that they go to Orchard, ask questions about that. So it's something simple you can do. And we've recently set it up where you push the check-in on Facebook. Orchard Church is the first thing that actually uh, comes up. So if you just get in the habit of doing that, that would be awesome. Um, I've also started doing some weekly live updates dates on Facebook. A couple weeks ago, I did one, and over 1,300 of you um, watched it either live or afterward, and it was really cool, and I made an announcement on there, and so what I want to tell you guys, in case you missed that, you can follow me on my Facebook page, at Doug Dameron, and then you can get the live updates. If you watch the video up in the right-hand corner, there's a little line that says live notifications. If you check that, then anytime I'm on live, you can jump right in. I'll only do it about once a week, give you updates. And I announced that Brighton, the community of Brighton, every year they do their best of Brighton voting for like businesses and restaurants. And we didn't even know this was happening, but I guess they voted three weeks in a row. They sent us an email and Orchard Church was voted best church in Brighton, Colorado. So pretty awesome. Pretty cool. So if you did vote, thanks for voting, but uh, we already knew that, right? And the reason this is the best church because we have the best people and the best God. So we praise God for that. I think it's supposed to be uh, in the paper, the Brighton Blade, this Wednesday. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can see it in, in the paper as well. But start checking in. It's a great way to get the word out about Orchard Church and so you can tell your friends and neighbors. Hey, today we're continuing our series, our summer series called You Asked For It, where we're answering your questions and topics that you want to know about from the Bible. We're wrapping this up this week. Next week will be the last week of this series. And one of the questions you guys had, you had a lot of questions about prayer. A question about how should I pray? Why should I pray? What does it mean to pray according to God's will? A lot of you asked the question, why didn't God answer my prayer? And maybe you've wondered that before. You prayed for something. God didn't seem to be answering. We know that God could answer. We feel like he should answer. Why didn't he? And then you have verses like what we're going to start with this morning in John chapter 14, verse 13, where Jesus said this, you can ask for, help me church, you can ask for what? Anything in my name, Jesus said, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will what? I will do it. And so Jesus says, you know, if you can ask for anything, I'm going to answer your prayers. So why does he always seem to answer our prayers? I mean, you look in the Bible and God answered the prayers of Joshua. One day he prayed that God would cause the sun to stand still. That's a huge prayer request. And God answered. You have a, a man named Daniel who was thrown into a lion's den and he asked God to put the lions on a diet for the day. And God answered that. But maybe you feel like I've prayed and nothing has happened. How many of you, let me just see by a show of hands, you've ever prayed for something you felt like God didn't answer or nothing was happening? Can you raise your hand? I think we've all been there before. And maybe you think, well, you know, as a pastor, you probably never have that happen to you. You think I've got some hotline to God in my office that you guys don't have access to, but that's, that's not true. Um, God has answered a lot of my prayers, but there have been times in my life where God has not answered my prayer or the way I had hoped he would answer. And I I don't share this story with very many people, but we're all family here this morning. And so let me tell you a story um, in my life where I was praying for something for a couple of years, actually about three or four years of my life, I was praying for this, and it didn't seem like God was answering or not answering the way I, he 
I thought he should or would, and it was when I was in college, and I wanted to get married. Uh, and I wanted to get married fairly quickly. I grew up in an awesome Christian home. My mom and dad were married over 50 years. So I had a beautiful example of marriage and family. And I wanted to, to do that. And I felt like God was calling me into full-time ministry. And so if I'm going to be a pastor, I need to have a pastor's wife. And so I thought, surely God's going to want to quickly answer this prayer. And then um, what my grandparents, they had this, this ring. And it was a, a diamond ring. And they passed it down uh, to uh, one to me and one to my sister as you know their grandkids they gave us this really nice diamond and I was like well look God certainly wants me to get married he even provided a ring that I didn't even have to buy so I was really anxious so I started dating this one girl and she said that she wanted to be in ministry and I said well this is it so we started dating and we got engaged pretty quickly and then she came to me one day and we were planning out wedding and things like that and she said you know what I really don't think I want to be in ministry I don't want to be a pastor's wife and so I'm like well this isn't going to work so we broke off the engagement we called the wedding off. And so that was engagement number one. There's more to this story. And so I was like, well, God, I thought you, you know, that you'd answer my prayer. And, you, and then it's, you know, we broke it off. And it didn't work out. And so it didn't seem like he was answered. So I continued to pray that God would bring me a godly wife. And so I was in Bible college. And I met this other girl. And she was a missionary's kid. And she had been in ministry. And she said she wanted to be in ministry. And, you know, and I thought, well, this is it. So we started dating. Then we got engaged. And we were planning to get married. And then it turned out that she was cray-cray. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about? And I was like, I don't want to marry someone that's a little, you know, crazy. And so I broke that one off, and I was like, man, that's two engagements. I still got, I got the ring back every time, by the way. I'm like, it's an heirloom, you know, I got to have it back. And so I was like, man, God, what is going on? You know, why can I not seem to find the right girl for me? And I was, I was about to give up, and I just like, you know, God's not answering my prayer. And then this girl came to her, her, her family came to our church in Missouri. Her name was Shelly Randall, and she was singing in the choir, and I was like, man, she is really cute, and, and all this, and a friend of mine knew her, and said, man, she grew up in a pastor's home, and he goes, I know you're, you want to be a pastor, she'd make a great pastor's wife, but I was gun-shy at this point, and I'm like, I've been engaged twice, it hasn't worked out, I don't want to get let down again, and so I was really, really hesitant, but I kept praying, and then finally, Shelly, my wife now, you know, after begging and pleading with me to marry her, I finally said yes. Y'all believe that, right? I finally said yes, and I gave in, and now we'll be married 24 years the day after Christmas this year. God finally answered my prayer. But there was a season of, uh, you know, several years there that it seemed like I was praying and God wasn't answering the way that I thought he should answer. And, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there. Uh, maybe you've prayed and you feel like God's not answering. God's not doing anything. Maybe you've prayed for someone you love, you care about. They've been sick. They have a health problem. You prayed for them that they would be healed and they weren't healed and they died. Maybe you prayed for a child. You know, I know a lot of couples, they want to start a family. They're praying for a baby, and other people seem to, you know, get pregnant every time they turn around, and they're praying, and they're trying, and they're not conceiving, and God's not answering that prayer. Maybe growing up, your parents didn't, you know, they fought all the time. They didn't seem to get along, and, you know, you didn't want them to get divorced, and you prayed that they would stay together. You know, God would want them to stay together, but then they didn't stay together, and they ended up getting divorced, and you feel like, why didn't God answer that prayer? Maybe you've been praying for your marriage, 
and it's been struggling and you see other marriages doing well and you see God healing other marriages but God doesn't seem to be healing your marriage God doesn't seem to be changing your spouse or maybe as a parent there's something you've been praying for your kids maybe they're teenagers and they're starting to go down a path that you're very concerned about and you're praying that God would turn them around but they haven't seemed to turn around yet or maybe they're even grown now and off on their own and they still haven't turned around and you're like God why are you not answering my prayer how many of us have known someone that's not a believer? They're a friend, a coworker, a family member, and they need Christ, and you've been praying for their salvation for years and years, and yet they haven't responded to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you wonder, God, why are you not answering that prayer? Well, today I want to give you four biblical possibilities why God may not be answering some of our prayers or may not be answering the way that we think that he should. And I hope you'll take some notes on this on the back of your newsletter this morning. The first one is this. Maybe God is not, is not answering your prayers because you have a broken relationship. And I'm not talking about a broken relationship with God. I'm talking about a broken relationship with another person. And you're like, what? How does my relationship with another person affect my prayers to God? Here's the deal. As you study the Bible, you're going to see that our horizontal relationships with each other have a direct effect on our vertical relationship with our Heavenly Father. We see this in Mark chapter 11. You're there in John. Just go back a couple of books in your Bible to, to Mark. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And I want you to see what it says here. Jesus is speaking and he's talking in the context of prayer and answering prayers. And he says this, I tell you, you can what, church? You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So we like that part of the prayer. But then he adds something else to it. He, he says this, but when you are praying, first do what, church? Forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Jesus says, when you're making prayer, your prayer requests and you have requests, make sure that before you ask God for something, that you have a right relationship with other people. Deal with your broken relationship first, your horizontal relationships, because they directly affect your vertical relationship with your Heavenly Father. You know, there are maybe some men that are in here this morning, and you've been praying for some things, and God doesn't seem to be answering and I'm about to help you out because the Bible says that if you have a problem or struggle with your wife, it can hinder your prayers. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Peter said, in the same way you what, church? You husbands. You guys are not participating today, okay? Come on now. Don't be sleeping on me. In the same way you husbands. Ladies, you should be saying this really loud. I'm about to help you out right now, okay? You're going to owe me one. You husbands must honor, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding, husbands, as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you, you should so that what? Your prayers will not be hindered. Husbands, we need to make sure that we're treating our wives the way God would have us to treat them and honor them or it could hinder our prayers. Maybe the reason some men are not getting their prayers answered is because of the way they're treating their wives. Can I have an amen, ladies? Amen. You can thank me later. I like Starbucks, Chili's, other things, okay? Now, with... I don't know the full extent of how this works. I just know that God says if you don't want your prayers to be hindered, you've got to make sure that your relationship with other people are right before you come to your Heavenly Father. Now, how broken does that relationship have to be before God won't answer your prayers? I mean, do we have to just be like a little bit irritated with somebody? Or do we have to be really mad and really ticked off? I don't know. But I do know that the Bible is clear that if we don't have a right relationship with each other down here, then it can hinder our prayers in heaven with God. That's what he says. 
I can understand this and relate to this as a father. How many of you are parents? Okay, parents out there, you can understand this because, you know, I'm a father. I have kids. My kids are now grown. You know, they're, they're about to be 19 and 21. But when they were younger, sometimes we would be going on a trip or we'd be going, you know, driving somewhere for some distance. And Shelly and I would be in the front and our kids would be in the back. And I know you guys think pastor's kids are perfect. Wrong. And they would start arguing and they would start fighting about something and somebody's yelling and screaming and, I, you know, and I'm yelling stuff in the back like separate there's an invisible line between you two don't you know that and and you go to one side and I'm trying to reach back there and hit somebody grab somebody I'm trying to take somebody out but my arms are short so I can't reach them so I have Shelly you know hey can you do something about these kids and they're they're they, they're not getting along and then all of a sudden one of them will say hey can we go to McDonald's can we get an ice cream what am I going to say Sure, of course. No, I'm going to say no. I'm not going to grant your request because you guys are fighting and you can't get along. We need to understand we have a heavenly father in heaven. We are his children if we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He wants us to get along. Amen. And so when we're fighting and we're arguing and backbiting and gossiping and we're not getting along down here, it hinders our prayers in heaven. So maybe one of the reasons that God is not answering our prayers is because we have a broken relationship and we need to make that right. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series talking about forgiveness. A lot of you had questions about how do I forgive someone that has done, done me wrong? How do, I, how do I let that go? It ties into what we're talking today about prayer. Number two, here's another reason why God may not be, be answering your prayers. Maybe you have the wrong motives. Maybe God's not answering your prayer because you have the wrong motives when you pray. Motives matter when we pray. James, in James chapter 4, verse 3, James said this, James 4, 3, if we can get that. And even when you ask, you don't get it because you're what, church? Your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You're asking with the wrong motives. Can anyone say lottery? I mean, how many people are praying, oh God, you know, if I win the lottery, I promise I will start tithing. I've never tithed before, but I'll start if I win the lottery. I've had people in our church say, you know, if I win the lottery, the Powerball, I will pay for Orchard Church's new building. I'll pay for the whole thing. Can I get that in writing? You know, before that, maybe it happens. And sometimes we have the wrong motives when we pray. I've seen this happen with, with single people. Uh, I remember when I was in student ministry for many years and I had teenagers and, you know, they would start dating someone. And, you know, I would teach them what the Bible says, that Christians should date Christians and seek to marry Christians. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And I believe that. And I would teach them this and they would start, you know, dating some guy or dating some girl, the hottie with a body, you know, and they would be, be like dating them. And I'd say, well, are they a Christian? Are they a believer? Well, no, not yet, but I'm praying for them that God will save them. You know, Lord, you, you can have their soul. Just give me their body, you know, praying stuff. Uh, not the right motives, okay? Not the right motives. Uh, we call that missionary dating, you know, where you're going to date someone that's not a Christian, praying that God will save them. I don't know if that's always the right motives when we pray. Now, how do we know if we're praying with the right motives or not? Because God ultimately is the only one that knows our motives, and sometimes we can even fool ourselves. Uh, Proverbs 16.2 says this. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines what, church? Their motives. So if you say, I'm not even sure if I'm praying with the right motives or not. Sometimes we know we're not praying with the right motives. But if we're not sure, ask the Lord to reveal our heart. 
He knows us. He knows us better than anybody else, and he can let us know if we're praying with the right motives or not. Because if we're not praying with the right motives, if we're only doing it for selfish reasons or for our own pleasure, it can hinder our prayers. That makes sense. Say yes. Okay? So why is God not answering our prayers? Maybe we have a broken relationship. We first need to mend. Maybe we have the wrong motives when we pray. Here's a third reason. Maybe God's not answering our prayers because we just don't believe God will do it. We just don't believe. We just don't have enough faith that God will answer our prayers. Our faith matters when we pray. Now, as I say that, let me give a little disclaimer here because you have extremes when it comes to this subject of prayer and faith. We're not talking about name it and claim it faith. You know, there's teaching out there. If you just name it and claim it in Jesus' name, you know, uh, in Jesus' name, God, give me that new car. Give me that guy. Give me that girl. Give me that job. That God has got to answer your prayer as long as you just name it and claim it and you believe it. We need to remember when it comes to prayer, God is not our cosmic sugar daddy, bellhop, or Santa Claus. Let me say that again. God is not our cosmic sugar daddy, bellhop, or Santa Claus. And we click our fingers and say, you know, God, answer my, my prayers. But our faith does matter when we pray. Yeah, I've had people, you know, say, well, you know, I believe that God is going to heal somebody. And if I have enough faith, I know God is going to heal them. You know, and somebody comes and says, well, I, I've, been, I've been praying for my grandmother. That God would heal her so that she wouldn't pass away. And I believed and I had faith that God was going to heal her. And he didn't. And she died. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm going to pray for you. How old was your grandmother? 103. Okay, last time I checked, the death rate is one out of one people die. So it's not about if you just have enough faith and enough belief and name it and claim it, God's going to answer everything. That's one extreme, but the other extreme is taking faith and belief out of our prayers, and I do absolutely believe that our faith matters and our belief matters when we pray. Let me give you an example of this. In uh, Mark chapter 9, you're in Mark, look at Mark chapter 9, verse 22. Mark chapter 9, verse 22. Let me give you the context. There's a story uh, of a man who had a son who was possessed by an evil spirit. Jesus was coming to town, and he knew and had heard that Jesus could cast out evil spirits and heal people, and so he's going to ask Jesus this request. You know, that's what prayer is, asking a request of, of Jesus, asking of God. And it says in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 22, he's talking to Jesus. He tells him, the spirit often throws him, my son, into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. He's talking to Jesus, y'all, and he's like, if you can. He's like, do you not know this is Jesus and what he can do? And then Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person what, church? If a person believes. Your faith does matter when you pray. Over and over in the scripture, you'll see that it was done according to their faith. God answered according to their faith. So one extreme is, you know, name it, claim it. As long as you believe enough, God's got to do it. Another extreme is that you think, well, I don't have to have faith or I don't have to have belief. It doesn't really matter in my prayers. But it does. It does matter. And sometimes what happens when we're praying is you hear people say this. You know, we've done, I've heard couples say this. We've done all we can do. Now all we can do is pray. It's like, what? We've done all we can do, and now all we can do is pray. Get it in your notes this way. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Amen? Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort, and believing and having enough faith that God can and will answer our prayers according to His will. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. 
You know, I think this is so important right now with what's going on in America. You know, we have a broken country right now. We have a lot of horrible, unspeakable tragedies that are taking place and a lot of evil that is, is happening in our world today. And what we all want to see is America to be healed. Amen? But, but the way that we're going to heal America is not by more picketing, posturing, and finger pointing. It's going to be by more prayer. That's what's going to heal America. And, and this is not a political statement. This is a biblical statement. What we need is not another po politician. We need the great physician. We need the great physician to heal our land. And we as believers in Jesus Christ need to be praying for our country, praying for our leaders, whoever they are, and believing with faith that God can do anything. My Bible says that God can turn the hearts of kings. That God is the one that can heal our land. And the healing is going to come not from the outside in, but from the inside out. By the changings of hearts and lives of people. Let me remind you of a verse that some of you will recognize, but I think that it is so important that we remember this right now with what's going on in our country. And that we believe it to be true and that we have faith in this prayer and our God that is behind this prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14, God says, then if my people, everybody say my people. You see, we're trying to fix all the other people. And God says, if my people, if believers, if Christians who are called by my name will humble themselves in what, church? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And I will restore their land. Do you still believe, church, that that is true? Do we have enough faith and belief that we are the ones that need to be praying? Praying that God will change our land, heal our land, heal people's lives, and heal people's hearts. And you know, one of the things that I, I want to just recognize and say this morning is, you know, with the tragedies that have taken place with our law enforcement, you know, in Dallas and Louisiana, and it seems like every time we turn on the news, you know, something is happening uh, to them. And these are people that serve in our communities to serve us and protect us and, and be there for us. And, and they need us to be there for them. And so this week, you know, we just did something as a church. Um, on a Wednesday of this last week, we brought in lunch for the Brighton Police Department. I think we've got a picture of this. And we served to all three of their... Um, uh, different sessions that they had. We served them pizza. And so this was from Orchard Church. Can we, we just celebrate that this morning? All three shifts, we gave them food and we went in just to, just to let them know we support you. We appreciate you. We're praying for you. That's the greatest thing that we can do. Amen? Is be praying for them. And so I, I want to do that right now. I want to recognize and pray for those that are currently in law enforcement right now or have been in law enforcement in the past. Would you just stand right now here at Orchard Church? Any law enforcement in the past or currently, would you just stand all around? Men, women, law enforcement. Let's just, let's just thank them for their service. Amen. Remain standing. Remain standing if you would. Remain standing. I, I, I want to do something right now. You know, I don't want to just talk about prayer today. I want us to pray today. And so if you wouldn't mind, I know we can't all do this, but if you're close by some of these men and women that serve in law enforcement, if you're close enough by and you wouldn't mind, would you just stand with them and put a hand on them as we pray for them right now? Let's pray for their protection and thank God for their service to our community. And let's just have a word of prayer for them right now. This is the greatest thing that we could do for them to show our love and support to these law enforcement men and women in our community. Father, we just come right now and we just want to acknowledge that you are the God of this universe, that you are in control, you know the beginning from the end, and that you are sovereign, and there's nothing outside of your sight. And Lord, I, I just, we want to recognize 
the men and women of law enforcement in this community and around the communities in this country right now. And Lord, with the tragedies that have been happening, we, we want to recognize that and we want them to know that we, we love them, we support them, we appreciate them, and more than anything else, we pray for them. And we pray for their safety as you protect them as they protect us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we thank them once again for their service? Amen. Thank you so much to your, for your service in our community. So why is God not answering our prayers? Maybe it's because of a broken relationship. Maybe it's because we have the wrong motives. Maybe it's because we just don't have enough faith and belief that God will answer. And then here's the fourth one. Maybe God has something different. And everyone needs to hear this because we've all been there at some point in our life. And this is really going to speak to some of you today. And you can relate because you're right in the middle of praying for something that God just doesn't seem to be answering or at least not answering the way you would like for him to answer. And maybe it's because God has something different. You see, God's will is the most important aspect of our prayers. Do you believe that, church? God's will. Not my wants, but God's will. It's been well said this way, that prayer is not about us getting our will done in heaven. It's about having God's will done on earth. That's what prayer is really all about. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says it this way. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, our God, that if we ask anything, He hears us. Is that what it says? I'm going to see if you guys are paying attention or not. I left out a really important point to this verse, and this is what we often miss. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, let's say it, church, according to His will. We have to pray according to his will. It, it, the verse I read in the beginning where Jesus said, you can ask anything and I'll do it. We often leave out, ask anything in my name, which is another way of saying asking according to God's will and God's plan. If we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If we ask according to his will, if we ask according to his plan, not my wants, but his will. And no matter what we think God should do, no matter what we think God could do, God sometimes has something different in mind than what we have in mind. And in those moments, that's when we have to trust God even when we cannot trace God if you've been there say yes and that's why we always have to remember when we pray we're praying according to his will according to his plan according to his name because God our heavenly father loves us too much to give us something that is not according to his will and not according to his plan if you ever in your life prayed for something that God would do something and he didn't answer He's the way you wanted, and you look back later, years later, and you go, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You say, woo, dodged a bullet on that one. I thank God God didn't answer my prayers on the first two girls I was engaged to, and he answered with Shelly. God had something different. God had something better, much better. Amen, church? But I had to wait on that. I had to be patient on that. Parents, you can relate to this. Do your kids ever ask you for something and beg you for something that you know that it is not in their best interest for you to say yes? And they cry and they whine and they throw fits. But you love them too much to allow them to go play in the street, to go to a party where there's things that they shouldn't be doing, to date somebody that's a loser or cray-cray. I've been there. You love them too much. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. And sometimes when we pray, God has something different. And I would suggest He has something 
better. And maybe you prayed for a house and God didn't answer because he had something different. He had something better. Maybe you prayed for a job and God said, no, I have something different. I have something better. You prayed for a situation. You prayed for a health need. But God had something different. He had something better. I don't, I don't know that I've, I've shared this story uh, with you guys publicly, but a couple of years ago when Orchard Church started, you know, we started our third service and all three services were full and we realized, okay, it's time. We need a facility. We need a permanent facility of our own. We, we can't fit in here any longer. And we started praying, God, where do you want us to have a permanent location? And we had had our eye on the land next door, the 38 acres, uh, for Nine years, ever since we moved in, but the owner wasn't willing to sell or he wanted too much money. He didn't want to split it up and, and, and different things and just kept saying no. So we started looking elsewhere. And uh, there was, do you guys remember up in Brighton, there was a place called Mi Pueblo Market uh, up in Brighton next to the Kmart. And it went out of business. And so it was like 32,000 square feet and it was open. And so we started talking to the owner about maybe renting that out or buying it and going into building it out. We thought, man, that would make a great location there uh, maybe for Orchard Church. It wasn't exactly what we were looking for, but there wasn't anywhere else that would fit our church. So we started praying about that. We started talking to the owner and then God just closed the door. It was just a definite no. It's not going to work out. And we we're like, man, God, what are you doing? Where, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? We, 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 we don't have any more room. And then uh, the next month after God said no to that location, the owner that owned the land next door came to us and he said, I'm ready to sell you the entire property. And God worked it out. Would we say, Orchard Church, God had something different. God had something better. Amen. Can we praise God for that this morning? He had something different. He had something better. And prayer reminds all of us that we're not in control. But it keeps us close to the one who is. And that we got to trust that when God doesn't answer the way we think he should answer, how we think he should answer, that God may have something different. He may have something better. I want to wrap us up with this thought about prayer that I hope will really encourage and challenge you. What should I believe about prayer? What should we all believe about prayer when God doesn't seem to be answering? And I want to share in closing a story with you that some of you are familiar with. Some of you, this may be a new story. It's in the Old Testament. It's about three Hebrew teenagers. They were teenagers. And their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Save your money. You don't need to go buy any you know, original Bible uh, uh, baby book names. Just grab one of those names. They'll be original. Nobody has those. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three teenagers lived in Babylon. And the king was King Nebuchadnezzar. And he came up with this idea that he was going to put this golden statue up. And he said, everybody's got to bow down to this false idol. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And I'll make you a crispy critter. And burn you alive. But these three Hebrew teenagers followed the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God. And they said, we're not going to bow down to any false idols. And so here's what happened in the story. Read about it in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. And here's how they responded to King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Everybody say, is able. Do you believe we have a God who's able? That's what they said. He's able. And then they said, he will rescue us from your power. Everybody say, he will. will. They said, listen, king, I know you're threatening to throw us in the fiery furnace if we don't bow down to this idol. But we have a God who is able and we have a God who will save us. That was their faith. They had great faith. But watch this. They said this. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't answer our prayer the way that we think he could, the way we think he should, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue which you have set up. 
Here's what we can learn from this. You have it in your notes. When you pray, believe this. I believe God can. I believe God can. The Bible says all things are possible with our God. What seems impossible for God to answer in your life right now, God may show how miraculously all things are possible. Let's say that together. I believe God can. I believe God can. Second thing that we need to remember when we pray is believe this. I believe God will. Let's say that together. I believe God will. You see, I believe God always answers our prayers. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is what? No, but he answers. Sometimes his answer is not yet. I have something different. I have something better. So when you pray, believe this. I believe God can. Do you believe that, church? I believe God will. Do you believe that, church? He's going to answer. But even if he doesn't, I still believe. Amen? Even if he doesn't, I still believe because our God is able. So when we pray, and it doesn't seem like God is answering or answering the way that we think he should, we say, I believe God can. I believe God will. But even if he doesn't, I still believe. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you in prayer to ask anything of you. But I pray that we would ask according to your will, according to your plan, according to your name. And if there's anything hindering our prayers, that we remove those. And Lord, if those are removed and you still don't seem to be answering, I pray that we would trust you even when we cannot trace you. And that we would believe that you must have something different. You must have something better. And that we would patiently wait on your timing. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, how many of you have prayed or are praying for something right now? And God just doesn't seem to be answering. And I want to pray for you that you would apply this message today. Anyone like that, would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for those right now that have been praying for something that you don't seem to be answering or not answering the way that they would like. I pray that if there's anything hindering their prayers, whether it be a relationship, a motive, or a lack of faith or belief, the Lord, you'd strengthen their faith in those areas. And Lord, I pray that they would wait on you And if you have something different and you have something better, that that you give them the strength and the patience to wait on your plan, believing that you can, believing that you will, but no matter what, they'll still believe. Even if you don't answer the way that they would like, that that they will still believe. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, we'll be looking around for just a moment. You know, the first prayer that God wants to answer in your life is the prayer of salvation where you call on the name of the Lord to save you the way that we call the Lord is, is through a simple prayer it's, it's not the prayer that saves us it's not the words but it's the faith and belief behind it you, you know the Bible tells us this and this surprises a lot of people but this is what the scripture says that until we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ God doesn't hear our prayers maybe the reason God has not been hearing your prayer is because he doesn't know you you're not his child He hears from His children. He hears from those that know Him. And maybe you could open the windows of heaven in your prayer life today by praying the most important prayer, which is inviting Jesus Christ into your life. If you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now by praying a simple prayer. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus into your life. You can be born again. You become a child of God, and God becomes your heavenly Father who will answer your prayers according to His will. 
So if that's you today, you know who you are. If God is speaking to you saying, you know what? You need to invite me into your life. Would you pray this prayer from your heart to God's right now where you sit? It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I want to be your child. I want you to be my Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. We continue an attitude of prayer, heads bowed, and eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But I, I would love the privilege and honor if you prayed that prayer for the first time. I'd love to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. Would you slip up your hand right now as a testimony so I can pray for you by raising your hand and saying, yes, I pray that prayer of faith just now. God bless you, man. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. I, I, I really meant it. It came from my heart. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you. Several people. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those today that are praying the most important prayer that they could ever pray, inviting you into their life. We pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you. We welcome them into the family of God as children of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. We celebrate their decision today. and We thank you that you hear our prayers and that you answer according to your will. We thank you for your word today. We pray that we be doers of your word, not just hearers. We pray all this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we welcome some new family members into God's family today? Some new brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. If you uh, raised your hand and you said, I prayed that prayer, invited Jesus into my life today, it's the best and most important decision you could ever make. We take that decision very seriously here at Orchard Church, and we would really appreciate it if you would take that guest connection card uh, that's in your newsletter and you would just fill it out, uh, give us your contact information, your address, check the box that says, I accepted Christ, because we're going to continue to pray for you. We're going to send you a little book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy, help you on your new journey with Christ. If you're a first-time guest today at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card in your newsletter. You can drop in the offering bucket when it goes by. We receive our gifts, gifts in just a moment. We're not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. We'll send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail, so let us know that you're here. If you're new uh, to Orchard Church or a first-time guest today and I haven't had a privilege of meeting you personally, I'd love to do so. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard at the White Tent, so come by. I would love to meet you uh, today. Next week, we're going to wrap up our summer series, You Asked For It. A lot of you ask questions about first forgiveness. And we're going to talk about forgiveness next week, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, right now, we're going to check out what else is going on at Orchard Church. We're also going to worship the Lord through our tithes and through our offerings. Uh, thank you for all your generosity. One of our values here at Orchard Church is we want to be a church that acts our wage. We want to pe be people that act our wage by giving first, saving second, and learning to live on the rest. So God bless you as you worship the Lord today through your tithes and offerings. Don't go anywhere. Check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church and our new upcoming series.